So Dave, cheers for coming on today, mate. Massively appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, we'll get the ball rolling straight away. Um, so I just, I'm really interested in is, uh, you know, tell me a bit about yourself and your background and, um, where your journey of spirituality started. So obviously there's a lot of information there. Uh, feel free to fire away. Okay. Well, um, I grew up on the island of Trinidad, Trinidad in the West Indies and my family, uh, were Catholic. They're traditionally Catholics. When I was, uh, when I turned about six years old, it became very apparent to me that um, something was wrong. Um, on a Sunday, the average Sunday, we would um, get up, sometimes 4.30 in the morning, prepare to go to church, prepare for church, uh, which was usually at six o'clock on a Sunday. And at that time, this is, we're talking about 19, 1969, 1968. At this time, um, the Catholic priest, who was a, a, a canon, that's a, a particular um, grade within the, the Catholic hierarchy, this canon, he did the mass, he performed the mass in Latin. And I really couldn't understand exactly what it is this guy was saying in the first place. So, <laughs> so you know, I went through the motions. My father knew the, the mass in Latin, my mother knew the mass in Latin, and most of the uh, parishioners seemed to know the mass in Latin. They responded to uh, you know the the what the, the priest would say certain things in Latin they would respond and um, I was completely lost throughout the whole thing besides that I just wanted to be in bed at that time in the morning and be asleep so I was very grumpy about the Catholic Church I mean grumpy about um, having to get up that early in the morning and uh, it it did something to me, I think. It um, it caused me to ask questions. And of course, my first question was why? Why did we have to go to church that early? Why did the church did the church have the mass in Latin? And what it is he was actually saying? Um, my father gave me an answer, you know, as best as he could to his knowledge. And um, that answer didn't quite—it um, didn't quite satisfy me. I wanted to know more. As I got older, I began to read the Bible, and my parents had a a Catholic Bible. And the Catholic Bible, one of the Catholic Bibles, is the Douay Reims version of the Bible. So it's a little different from the King James version, as I found out. But I started reading, um, you know, stories about the Jews and uh, Moses and, and the rest of it. I started to read. Um, as I got older, as I approached my 13th birthday, I had completely read the Bible from cover to cover. Hmm. And it didn't answer any question I had. It just gave me more questions. Hmm. 
it filled my mind with questions. Uh, one of the biggest questions was, why did God choose the Jews as his particular people? And why was the Christ sent to the, um, the Jewish people first? Everybody seemed to be a sideline. That was my biggest thing. Yeah. So I wanted to know, I had all these questions. A Catholic priest couldn't answer it. I tried, I asked. <laughs> he just gave me this sly, side, you know, sarcastic look like, you know, who are you to ask um, these questions? Yeah. Um, and, and that, of course, that didn't stop me. I just, it made me more, even more curious. So when I turned 13, I totally broke with the Catholic Church. I'd had enough of their catechism, the who made you, God made you, that whole nine yards. I had enough of that. I had had enough of the going to church and standing. and It, it all seemed pointless ritual to me. And what I was looking for was, and I wanted answers. And the only person that would give me these answers, I um, came to the conclusion that I'd have to talk to God himself. Because it doesn't seem that the people around me knew what was going on. So when I turned 13, I broke with the Catholic Church. I told my, my, um, my parents, I'm not going back. It makes no sense. And um, I gave them a long list of reasons why I should not go back to the Catholic Church and why I wasn't going back. And my mom said, okay, if that's your decision, okay, that she was fine with it. My father had no problems with it. So I was good. I stopped going to, to the Catholic Church on my 13th, actually on my 13th birthday. Yeah. Um, I started reading. And I started reading, delving into uh, Buddhism. The first book that introduced me to the Eastern way of thinking was a book called Zen Flesh, Zen Bones. And in reading Zen Flesh, Zen, Zen Bones, in, in understanding the, the Eastern spiritual mind, I began seeing that there was something, there may be something to this going within, and or finding God within, because it's the same thing that um, it's the same message that Jesus had in most of the Gospels, in all of the Gospels. The kingdom of God is within. The kingdom mm -hmm. of heaven is within. Don't look without. Yeah. So I said, well, if it's within, um, I think that the the Eastern way Buddhism has to it has to be hitting on the truth. So I started delving more into. Uh, the, like I said, the Buddhist way. Um, I contacted at that time uh, yoga. And I familiarized myself with um, Hatha Yoga. I started practicing Hatha Yoga. What's, what's, uh, what's that? <laughs> well, there are different kinds of yoga. Um, <laughs> Hatha Yoga is... It is probably the one that most people know, most Western people are most familiar with. Hatha yoga, you know, you've seen the stretching and the, um, the different asanas. 
Um, and it doesn't so much focus on meditation as it does in getting your body and your mind spiritually synchronized in tune with each other. Mm. Okay. So it's, it's the path that uh, most Westerners are familiar with. Most of the time when you hear people talk about yoga, they're talking about only one type of yoga, which is Hatha yoga. And that's, you know, all the stretching, the asana positions and, and what have you. You know, the folded leg position, you sit like this with your legs folded in, which is, yeah. I still can't do it today. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, I started getting into it and um, I started learning that uh, the Indians, the East Indians also had a distressed meditation. There are different paths, all to my mind, all ended in meditation. So I said, okay, I, I think it's about time to cut to the chase. We have to get a little deeper into meditation. Now, along with this search, I'm also reading, I'm reading voraciously. I mean, books of I'm spending my money on books, mm. library books, whatever I can put my hand, I'm gobbling up information. And eventually I started getting into the, the Western uh, spiritual tradition, not the religions per se, mm. because I already had, a, as far as I, I was concerned, I already had a background in uh, Western religion, but the... Um, the aspects of Western spirituality that people usually think of as apocrypha, meaning none, it's not sanctioned by the church. Yeah. So magic, occultism, um, started reading books on magic, um, started becoming familiar with the different alchemists. And also started reading the Apocrypha, the books that were not included in the Bible by the Catholic Church when they put when they they put the the, the Bible together. Mm. So I started getting a, a picture of the universe, a picture of myself, and a picture of the universe that was very unlike what it is my parents had. And of course, when you start um, doing that, you automatically you start changing. Yeah. Um, the way you the way you you think, the way you approach things, the way you approach everything just starts changing, and you don't realize how very strange you're becoming. But those around you do, and they usually let you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, I can <clears throat> I can imagine your parents start thinking, man, like. Why is Dave being a bit strange? Like, what's he doing in his room? <laughs> Why is there some exactly. deep meditation breathing going on? Like, there's heavy breathing going on in there. What's going on? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Exactly so. Um, so, I found a book written by a Western occultist by the name of Muni Sadhu. The name of the book is Concentration. 
And Moni Sadhu explains very, very simply the path to med meditation. Mm. Um, to put it simply, meditation is actually a, a triple, it's a triple um, technique. It's composed of three things. It's composed of concentration, which is concentration of um, the senses, visualization, which is internal, and then the final part is true meditation. Now, concentration has to do with focusing your um, attention through sight, sound, feeling, and being able to hold your concentration in these various senses. In other words, you learn how to concentrate the sight on, um, let's say, the, the, the second hand of a clock, which is a, tech, which is a, a, a technique that he actually uses. Yeah. An example that he uses and something that he has you do. But you learn to concentrate your sight um, on the second hand, just going around the clock, the face of the clock, without allowing any thoughts, without being aware of any thoughts uh, in your mind. As soon as you become aware that you started, you've started thinking about something in words, you have to start over. And the um, the goal is from is for you to go from one minute to two minutes to five minutes um, of concentration. So you learn how to concentrate your sight. Then you learn how to concentrate your attention on a sound. Um, you can use the sound um, yeah. and you repeat it, and you listen to that sound. But you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to have your mind um, run off and start thinking about whatever. Yeah. You have to bring it back, and you start all over again. And again, you go from one minute to two minutes to to five minutes, as the case might be. Once you've learned how to do those two things, how to concentrate, how to look at something outside exclusively and not hear anything, see anything, I mean, not see anything, not hear anything, but to focus on what you're looking at. And you've learned how to close your eyes and visually hold a picture within your mind to the exclusion of every sound around you, you can actually open your eyes and focus on a mental picture and not see anything. Oh. So when I started practicing that, I learned very quickly that um, Munisaru knew exactly what he was saying because I could replicate within myself um, those two states. Mm. I was able to concentrate my sight and my hearing to the exclusion of all else, uh, to the point where I would be concentrating on, I mean, even now it happens, I'll be looking at a program or whatever, and I'm sure everybody has it happen at some point in time, where you're looking at something or you're focusing on something, somebody's standing right next to you, yeah. you don't hear them. No, it's like um, daydreaming almost, you know. It's like similar. I know what you mean, though, like, because daydreaming, you're kind of like just 
looking at something and you're unaware of everything around you but it's not like a conscious choice but I've had times where I'm like working on the computer and then someone just goes and taps me on the shoulder and I'm like Jesus Christ like so I assume it's very similar to that it's in just like your focus is there precisely now focus and attention in meditation is everything when you begin to meditate you you find and meditation is very simple but for the first time that you do it it's um it can be the hardest thing in the world mm. um when you you meditate when you learn to meditate when you do it for the very first time if you sit as we're sitting talking here and you close your eyes focus on a mental image of let's say like a, a white dot on a black background right yeah or a little dot a, a, a point of light just existing out there in the darkness of space the void of space if you can focus on that particular dot with your entire attention even for one or even for half a minute what you find is that you're able to completely lose all sense of your physical being and to be in that place in that state focusing on that dot now from that it's a simple step to make that dot move <laughs> jeez and when you it's a simple step to make it move and once you make it move you can just keep it moving which is what i did when i first learned to meditate that's what i did once i was able to consciously hold a picture visualize a picture in my mind of that dot moving through the void of space i kept it moving and as i moved what i discovered is that I was no longer visualizing the dot. I was the dot. Wow. And I kept I kept moving faster and faster and faster and faster and faster to I mean there was there's no there's no way of me describing how fast I was moving. Then suddenly I stopped. Something seemed to stop me. And when I stopped, I had the greatest and deepest sense of peace that I have ever known. So my um introduction to meditation, this was my introduction to meditation. Hmm. And I I kept this was it. I kept doing this when I would sit, close my eyes and just go. And um when I turned uh 16 when i on my just around my 16th birthday um i was performing meditation again as i've described it to you and i realized that i could actually see around me it was not like having um 
it's not like seeing the way you and I see mm. two-eyed vision. Yeah. This vision is before, behind, above, below, to the right, to the left. It's all around. It's 360 degrees. That must have you been like, are... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it must have been mad, man. Like uh, an overwhelming sense of um, uh, like comfort and peacefulness, but also kind of mind-blowing, I guess, as well, if that makes sense. like Yes, you're absolutely. Kind of, you're like, what's going on? Like, how have I uh, achieved this? Or, or how have, because how, people would say, oh, it could be like imagination, but it's like, how can you imagine this? Like, it's making me feel all these things to, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Now, that's one of the things that I, I definitely would like to um, touch on, and that is when you practice meditation, it's all, like I said, it's visualization, it's imagination, yes. Imagination is an excellent tool. It is the tool that you're going to use in the spiritual world. It is the tool. Mm. And it's, it's creative. But you're going to find that you will start imagining something, creating something, visualizing something, and then something else takes over. Something that is not you takes over. And that's when things really start uh, happening, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I've been like, I, I can kind of relate, obviously, maybe not to that... Uh level of depth like you explain it a lot better than than i ever could but i i was doing like global meditations um online with like two thousand people listening to one guy and mm -hmm. um the same techniques like you were saying is i'd close my eyes but i'd count my breaths to 10 and then start again all the way to 10 and then start again and then if my trail of thought went off and i started thinking about something else i'd mm -hmm. start counting again so yeah, my focus was to get to 10 every time. But um, during like one time that I had this um, sort of global meditation, I found that I was like, like, I was like almost in space, like with some like Aztec alien mm -hmm. race going on. And I was very like, I wasn't controlling what was happening, if that makes sense. Like I mm -hmm. wasn't imagining mm -hmm. it, something was right. like taking over. Um, right. and controlling that for me if that makes sense I, I can't really explain yes. it you know like um, if you're painting a picture um, you know you're conscious of what you're painting but you Correct. get into a state where if you just close your eyes and let your hands take over and then you open your eyes and it's like a piece of art it's just happened and that was for me like exactly. the best way I can explain my meditation was like my imagination was getting me there and then I got to a point where there's no imagination here. It's just happening. Like I'm not even thinking. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, but that's what's supposed to happen. That is exactly what's supposed to happen. My experience has shown, and I've been doing this for over 40 years. My experience has shown that is the best way to develop. Um, to touch very quickly on uh, some of the points you have here. Uh, my book, the book that I wrote, I was impelled to write. Mm. Um, I had to write it because I had, I have been um, exploring um, 
for a very long time, but not just exploring. I have, um, I've been guided as well to do just what I'm doing. The, the term that, the term that my uh, high self or my spiritual side uses for me, the name that they use is multidimensional facilitator. A multidimensional facilitator is someone who is able to um, easily switch dimensions. The physical world that we're in at the moment here, this is one dimension. When you lie down at night and you go to sleep and you're having a quote-unquote dream, Hmm. you're actually in a totally different dimension. But because of the learning that um, the schools and society and the brainwashing that goes on in our society, it makes it very, very difficult for people to realize that not everything they experience in when they go to sleep is a dream. You close your eyes drift off to sleep. And the best way I can explain this is to simply say that you are something, your spirit, people say your spirit, I, I, I think of it as my, as me. It, um, it turns 300, no, 180 degrees in the opposite direction. So if you can think of your body as being one of three bodies, not just one body, but one of three bodies. And the one that is grossest, the one that is most tangible, most solid, is the first one. That body turns 180 degrees to face in the opposite direction. And you literally fall out of your body, (laughs) which actually has happened to me sometimes. But you literally fall out of your body. Um, You unhook is perhaps a better way of saying it. You unhook. And some people who experience it, who go with the process and remain conscious, may find themselves floating up against the ceiling or standing outside somewhere and wondering how they got there in the first place. But it, 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 it goes, it, it, it turns 180 degrees in the opposite direction. You, you literally fall out. You slip out. You're on hook. That's the first body. Within that body, there's a second body that has a, a greater range. And this body, with it, you can travel um, the dream world the world where people go when they die and you can even travel you can even travel into the spiritual world and I'll give you a little context for that in a minute yeah. but you can even travel you can even travel into the spiritual world you will find it difficult to meet and communicate with your high self because the level that they are on, you're going to have to switch into a third body that has absolutely no form. 
Wow. You remember that you remember that point of light I was telling you about yeah. where you're able to see in all directions at once? Mm-hmm. That is actually the basis of the all-seeing eye. That is what the all-seeing eye, it is the all-seeing eye. It's you. Yeah. Um, your high self, which is composed of many, many you, <laughs> <laughs> exists on a level where if you want to meld with yourself, um, communicate with yourself, learn more about yourself, uh, it's a place to be, it's a place to go, and you'll find out everything you could ever want to know about yourself. But in order to do that, you need the third body that has absolutely no form. How um, do you achieve that like because it seems um quite a difficult thing to to obviously do do you know what i mean like i love the head shake there like no how do you how do you do it yeah well the way that you do it when okay if you're practicing let's say you're practicing um you're practicing meditation you're you're practicing um, astral projection, or you're practicing the out-of-body experience. All those are three names of the exact same thing, by the way. Yeah. You are going to gravitate to the level that you can understand. In other words, if you are someone who is, let's say you're striving for, uh, you, you want to know what it's like to experience nirvana, as I did, then you're going to be thinking of yourself in a, in a certain way. You're going to say, well, okay, you know, nirvana is, you know, it's a state that Buddha achieved. Um, I'm just going to go out there. I'm going to fly out there. What's going to happen is that you are going to actually end up in a formless state. You can't get there without losing your form. Mm. If you think of going, you know, down the street to see a girlfriend, uh, going to another country to visit a friend or what have you, nine times out of ten, you would, you and they would love for you to have a form. <laughs> <laughs> the only way you're going to do that is with the second body, and it happens automatically. Mm. As soon as you start thinking about your friend in China, you're going to get it. You're going to find yourself in the appropriate form. Yes, you have you have hands. I have feet. I feel warm. I need you know. That's yeah. how you're gonna because it's appropriate to your task, mm. the goal that you have in mind. When you're thinking about the high self and you're thinking about. Um, your guardian, your holy guardian angel, if you're religious, the only way you're ever going to meet, become one with, a part of that high self is to lose your form. So if you if you make it, if you actually join with them, you're going to find that you are you're automatically formless. You have no form. No, that's um, it's it's like deep, if that makes sense. Sometimes I think like sometimes it's hard for people to sign the kind of comprehend that 
they have to they have to see it in that certain way like I, the power of um I'll try and put it in like a simplistic form and hopefully I'm not wrong when I say it this way but like you said about going to see your your friend you have to adapt mm-hmm. that form because like you said there's full of tasks so the same as like if I want to play baseball I need the correct equipment to play correct. baseball um and am I right in saying that mm-hmm. um we'll use the baseball analogy it's like me playing baseball without the equipment I need to be able to do that to lose my body does that make sense so someone throws a ball towards me and I don't need the bat to hit it I can use air or whatever do you know what I mean like an element like mm-hmm. you're changing mm-hmm. you're changing what you need for the task does that make Correct. sense so it, it makes sense mm-hmm so that's that's what I'm trying to say is that similar in, in, in the sense of things as like if you you need to change what you need for the task to achieve not having it's so hard to explain you need to um, eradicate what you need for the task and just be nothing almost do you know what I mean yeah but you don't have to it, it's not something that you have to do hmm. it's something that you will do it's not something that you have to do. In other words, you're not going to say, okay, I, I need my third body, therefore I need to create a form. No, you just, all you have to do is reach out to your high self, yeah. knowing that you're going to be formless and you're going to be formless. So, um, mm-hmm. be, being rather than doing, basically. Is Correct. Like, okay. Correct. This is not something, this is not something, people have a very strange idea about spirituality. They think that spirituality is about belief. Spirituality is very much about you having conviction. I won't even say faith. You having conviction in yourself. You you do it by doing it. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that you makes... You do it by doing it. I mean, it's hard to explain. You just... You do it by doing it. Yeah. Is there, like, um, an element of sort of tasks you can do beforehand to help aid you in that process so like uh, it's a bit of a different subject but um with like lucid dreaming and remembering your dreams uh, you can do like mm-hmm. reality checks and like yes. wake up and record your dreams and stuff and then Correct. this helps you um mm-hmm. to you know then realize oh, i'm in a dream state like i can do whatever i want here blah 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 um mm-hmm. is that kind of similar with kind of achieving or, or uh, going to a different part or a different body um well can, can mm-hmm. you do things to aid you to to achieve that does that make sense yes yeah i i, I understand what you're you're asking um what can you do to facilitate the process mm-hmm. How can you help yourself? Um, you start off with dreaming. It's a, it's something that everybody is very familiar with. You get up, you write your dream da- dreams down. Write them down, no matter how weird or strange they may seem, no matter how mundane they may seem. People have a tendency not to realize, not to want to realize how their psycho their psychological makeup affects their spiritual abilities. You, let's say that you've started writing your dreams down. 
and you have learned or you have somebody that is helping you to analyze your dreams. Now, once you start analyzing your dreams, you're going to see very mundane things. Your right brain is going to show you things that you do not want to see about yourself. <laughs> we have not one brain, but we have two brains. We have a left brain, which is very analytical. We have a right brain. In between them is the corpus callosum, callosum which is a very thick band of uh, uh, matter, flesh, that holds both sides together. The right brain and the left brain speak. They talk to each other via the corpus callosum. And when you say you're getting to know yourself or you are learning about spirituality, what you're learning is how to allow your rational left brain to be there, alert and functioning, while your, your right brain does what it does. In other words, think of yourself as being two people, not one. There's a person that you know, the, the rational, and there is this person <laughs> that's sitting right next to you <laughs> that is completely irrational. Irrational, I mean completely irrational. Um, the right brain has the, 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 the vocal, the verbal ability of a trio. But the right brain, in terms of pictures, is a master. It's a master of visualization. It's a master of using um, pictures in order to communicate. And this is very important because in the spiritual world, you do not communicate via words. You communicate via pictures. If I want to tell you my entire history, I will create a picture of, a moving picture of my everything I want to tell you from my birth all the way to who I am, mm -hmm. and then I will transfer it to you. It'll take you a moment to unravel it. It'll open out in your mind, and you will know what I'm trying to tell you, what I, what I want to say. You're going to see it firsthand as though you're living it. That's what the right brain does. That's one of the abilities the right brain has. Um, when you go to sleep, it's a switching over from left to right. The right brain becomes dominant. Most people, the left brain just becomes completely uh, dormant. Yeah. So all you perceive are images, bits and pieces. What I've learned to do over the past 40 years is to keep my left brain awake, to hear myself snore, to see myself in bed <laughs> when, when other people would be just playing asleep. Yeah. Do you, um, now, sorry, no, carry on, carry on, sorry, because I've already asked you to, to explain something and I don't want to jump off and ask you something else before getting to this point. It's so hard sometimes, but yeah, carry on, sorry. Okay. Uh, now, the Monroe Institute, uh, TMI in uh, Virginia, it's called the, Mon the Monroe Institute, is very, very much, um, was very, very much my facilitator. Their, their Hemisync tapes was just what I needed in order to to 
to take my experiences to a whole different level. Now, Robert Monroe gave us a, a map. It's a map of the physical and the spiritual world, which he got actually from a being called Miranon. This map is made up of uh, 50 levels, actually. The Kabbalah talks about these exact same 50 levels as the 50 gateways, the 50 gates of, un of understanding. And the way that it's spoken of in the Kabbalah is very, very um, poetic. But in truth and in fact, each one of those gateways is a level of awareness, a specific level of awareness. And I'll give you a, I'll give you a breakdown of um, of how it how it goes. Um, the universe, every universe, and and we live in a multiverse. It's we have many many universes. This is just one. The universe is made up of seven levels of seven levels. The very first round of seven levels one to level seven um, starts off with the the uh, the worms, single-celled organisms, the amoeba, blood, excuse me. And when you get to level seven, you have, between that you have plants, you have animals, well, actually animals starts at the next level, but you have plants, level one to seven. Yeah. You will also find that your elves, who are, who are real, by the way, <laughs> elves are real. They do um, every growing thing on this planet is their province. And um, since I'm since I'm I'm talking about this, I might as well tell you that every plant has a voice. They actually speak, and they speak a lot. They talk plant to plant a lot, but that's a whole different story. Anyway, levels one to seven is plants. Level seven is a transition between plants and animals. So your dog, your cat, your wild dog, your, your, um, your wolves and what have you would be, I don't know, probably level eight, level nine. Um, as you get closer to human beings, which are, humans are around I don't know, probably level 14 or so, as you get closer to human beings, you have your domesticated cats, your domesticated dogs, and they gain from being in your, in your home, being close to humans, because the energy that is us affects them. If your dog or your cat looks as though, or seems as though it's human, that's because eventually it probably is going to be human. That's the next stage in its evolution. Yeah. Uh, human beings, levels 14 or so, and um, people that are closer to level 14 are much more animalistic. That's why you find people that are very, quote unquote, animalistic. They're very much into their senses and all the rest of it. 
they haven't learned how to how to negotiate and man manipulate the higher energies within themselves and what they are very they're very much more accustomed to is where they came from some people have been animals before some not levels 14 to 21 is our plane it's the human world that we live in okay 21 is death and yes there is actually an a quote-unquote angel of death he's a good friend of mine i must say <laughs> <laughs> Um, there is a there is a being that performs that task. Um, twenty one <coughs> levels twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. Those are the levels where human beings inhabit. Those are the levels human beings inhabit when they die. So you find um, natives, people who are very um, whose understanding of existence is still rudimentary in some respects, you will find them levels 23, 24, which is called belief zone one. Um, those whose appreciation of energy, who are able to discriminate a little more, and you're talking about, um, you know, your religious folks and what have you, um, average person, uh, levels 24, 25. Um, that's belief zone two. Levels 26 to 20, well, not so much 28, but 26 to 27, 26 and 27, you have people like myself. I started off this, this life from levels 25, yeah. um, I have moved to level 27 while I was, while I'm still alive, and I actually have a house now at the edge of level 27, which my wife, who is not at all, um, she's spiritual, but not, she hasn't developed the way that I have, let's put it this way. You know, she didn't set off. She set off being and getting into religion and what have you. Um, but um, she discovered that she is able to to um, to learn a lot of things simply because of our connection. Yeah. Souls affect souls. Now that's one of the reasons why um, it's. Divorce is frowned upon. Husbands and wives meld in, into each other over time. Uh, your soulmate is not somebody who you meet and just love. Your soulmate is a, a, a female or another male version of yourself. So in 1987, I met my soulmate at one of them, actually. You, you have between one and 26 or 27 soulmates. They're identical beings, identical to you, but different. Their personalities are different, but they are you. Yeah. Um, together, you read each other's minds like crazy. It's, I mean, it, it's, it's, you read before the person can tell you what they're feeling, you know. Hmm. 
you finish their sentences, they'll finish yours. And um, it's, it, it's a lot to handle. <laughs> <laughs> so people talk about soulmates, but if they actually were to meet a soulmate, um, as I have, they would find that you, you can't spend your entire life, you don't usually spend your entire life with a soulmate. It's spending your entire life with yourself. Yeah. There's nothing to learn. <laughs> no, that may, it does make sense. Because almost it's like... There's nothing to learn. Yeah. I mean, you, how, long, how long, how many years are you going to spend finishing each other's sentences? You finish each other's sentences. You know what the other person is going to, is going to say. You know how they're feeling before they, they feel it. And not only that, it can become very you can become very claustrophobic because if one aspect of yourself is stronger than the other, or one aspect is more more emotional than the other, what you find is that one side of yourself dominates, be, begins to crowd or dominate the other. So you don't usually spend um, uh, you know this Romeo and Juliet kind of love. Um, would you saw me? That's fantasy. In my book, in my experience, it's fantasy. You meet your soulmate, you get to know them, you'll meet many of them, and as you get you you as you develop, you you learn how to spot them, you learn how to deal with them, um, and they learn how to deal with you. Because fundamentally, you're dealing with yourself, basically. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> I'm learning, I'm That's learning. Correct. That's correct. Um, another thing I should tell you about the spiritual world. No, wait. Before I, I get to that. The physical world. The physical world ends at level 20. Right. Physical vibrations end at level 20. Levels 21 to 27. Like I said, 21 is death. 22 to 27, all your belief. All your beliefs, uh, the Catholics, the Jews, the uh, Protestants, uh, the Buddhists, everybody that has these uh, very um, heavy traditional belief system, you end up somewhere in one of those belief zones. This level, 22 to 27, is the level that people call the astral because it's highly emotional. There is a being there in that I, I, I definitely want to tell you about. There's a being there um, that appears very serpent-like. It looks very much like a serpent. Um, it's highly intelligent. It has more heads than you could imagine. And each one of those heads represents a human desire. Is it um, like, <clears throat> I don't want to throw you off on a tangent, but you know the story of like Adam and Eve with the serpent um, yes. the tree tempting? Very much so. Would you like to know the Would you like to know the truth of the story of Adam and Eve and the serpent? 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Far away. We can. I mean, we can carry on going with the the fifty gates, and then we can touch on the Adam and Eve thing. So much information. Okay. It's good to go. But if I throw you off on a tangent, then you might, when we come back, be like, "Where was we?" So if we carry on going with the fifty gates, and then we'll go to the serpent story. That sounds good. Okay. All right. Now, Adam and Eve. The, the story of creation is actually two stories of creation. Most people don't realize that. Um, the creation story is not one whole piece. It's actually two different stories melded into one. The Adam and Eve story starts off with God creating Adam. Now, the word that is used for God in the book of Genesis is Elohim. Elohim is not the God, quote-unquote, is not the, the source of all things. <laughs> Elohim actually is your high self, my high self, and the high selves of all 7 billion of us on, the, on this planet. That is the reason why Elohim said, let us create man in our image and likeness. We, you as a God, you as God, you as a son of God, you as a child of God, all, you can use all those names. It actually represents the same thing. Elohim, you are Elohim. And on this level, on the spiritual level, where you are formless, and all of your personalities, you have, you have, you have, I mean, you have hundreds of thousands of personalities. You've been around so long. All of these personalities, they incarnate, one by one, they incarnate in every possible conceivable venue and, 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 and expression. And the reason that Elohim is doing it, the reason that we are doing, is doing this is to gain knowledge of ourselves to gain self-knowledge, to know how far we can go, how much we can create, when do we create, why do we create? Those are the questions that we are attempting to answer. Plus, the biggest question we are attempting to answer is um, our connection to the God, the honcho, the all of the all, the, the, the everything of which we are part. That's the, 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 the ultimate question that we're seeking to answer. But the story is meant to tell us about creation. Elohim said, let us create man in our image and likeness. And the man that he created is Adam. Now, Adam is not Adam, the fleshly Adam, <clears throat> with physical body, with a physical body. The initial creation is done on the spiritual plane. Now, the, in Kabbalah, Adam is called Adam Kadmon, K-A-D-M-O-N. And that is meant to tell you that Adam is not on the physical plane. The physical plane is as far as you can go from spirit. Hmm. We are as far from God as we will ever get because we are in flesh. 
we have blood and sinew. Matter is as far as you can go from spirit. It is energy, we know, at a very slow rate of vibration. But it's, it's as far as you can go. It's as far away as far away you can get uh, from um, spirit. Anyway, when Elohim said, "Let us create man in our image and let us create man in our image and likeness," and they created Adam, they created Adam as a spiritual being. In other words, they incarnated on another level. In other words, God said. Let me create man. Then God went down to the next level, and there was man. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't, they didn't create anything. They emanated. They left one level and went down to another level. That's Adam. Now, Adam has to be of the nature of his mm, source, the Elohim, the Elohim are both male and female. So Eve was not an oversight. Eve was a part of Adam. Adam was a pro prototype. Eve, the, the word Eve, as they say, it's not taken, it's not, um, the story tells you, the story in the King's James Version of the Bible tells you that God put Adam into a deep sleep and that he took this rib from his side, excuse me, and, um, you know, created matter around it and he created Eve. That is not true. Yeah. That is not what happened. What happened was Elohim extracted from the psychological Adam his emotional, his emotional being. That's a perp That's a reason you have two brains, a left hemisphere and a right hemisphere in your head, and not one piece. The left is Adam. The right is Eve. And as you can tell, your right brain didn't, it, it's, there's no rib involved in it. <laughs> it's taken from the side. It's taken out of. So the story as it's, it's, it's um, explained, the, when, they, when they translated the word as rib, they did um, everybody at the service because they threw everybody off. It's re it really means side. And it's a psychological thing. It means that humanity um, was divided into male and female psychologically. When the feminine side interacted with the male side, when Eve interacted with Adam, everything was cool. They're husband and wife. They're one being. They're soulmates. Yeah. They're one person, right? Everything was cool. Now, the Elohim realized that no striving is going to occur. No striving is going to go on in this universe unless they stack the deck. That's your serpent. 
The, the serpent is the stacking of the deck. The serpent is God in material form. It's a, it's the, how can I put it? Let me put it another way. The serpent is the negative aspect of God. And this serpent in matter, remember the serpent is in matter now, the serpent whispered or explained to Eve or enlightened her that um, the quote-unquote tree of knowledge um, was good to eat from. Now, what's a tree of knowledge? The tree of knowledge is the physical body. Now, they as yet, they as yet don't have a physical body. <laughs> So he's telling Eve of things to come. <laughs> she's looking at Adam and she's yearning for Adam. And the serpent explains to her that intelligence within matter, matter called the serpent, explains to her what sex is. So Eve learns about sex. This is the eating of the, the apple, the eating of the tree of the knowledge of knowledge of good and evil. Hmm. And when she joined with Adam, not they remember they still don't have bodies. Yeah. <laughs> but she joined with him because now she knows. Knowing, in other words, knowing, knowing occurs on a, a far different level from the physical. It's a psychological thing. You can know something without, um, how can I put it? You can know something and not be able to express it. Yeah. But but once, once you fully know it, you're able, you're capable of expressing it. She had, the, she had the concept. She had the idea. Now she needed to have the practice. And when she joined with Adam, this is mind to mind, when she joined with Adam, she learned of sex. The two of them learned of each other. He experienced all of her, and she experienced all of him. <laughs> no secrets here. No. <laughs> but as soon as they did, once they separated, as soon as they as soon as they joined, you know, it's beautiful, it's great. Once they joined mind to mind and they, they, they felt the wonder of each other, once they separated, there was shame. Each one knew of shame. Oh, I'm naked. He can see me. He knows everything about me. Yeah. And so shame was born. So when Elohim now comes back, this is just a story demonstrating to us things that happen to us psychologically. So Elohim comes back and he says, Adam, Adam, where art thou? You say, I heard your voice. I heard your voice and I hid because I was naked. Elohim said, who told you you were naked? <laughs> <laughs> Again, where did you get the knowledge from of nudity? Hmm. If you look at children, if you look at children, you can put two children, um, two-year-olds, butt naked, 
and they'll play, they don't have a problem. Yeah. The, if you leave them together long enough, he is going to start looking at her vagina and she's going to start looking at his penis and they both are going to start to say, something looks different. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> they're going to, they, 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 I mean, they, this doesn't, that might, they're going to start to compare. Mm. That's how children learn about sex. Now, who is teaching them? It's inborn. It is within you. That's a serpent within man. Yeah. It's a serpent. It's it's an awareness that the flesh has itself. The cells of your body, which leads me to this point, the cells of your body are not, they don't just make a body. It's a living being. It's a living entity and it has an awareness of its own that is different from you. When you separate for the first time, your body is going to swear that it's going to die. And that sense of, oh my God, you're going to die, is going to hit you. If you persist, you'll separate. If you don't persist, you'll probably never leave your body again. But once you leave your body, you're going to realize that the body has its own awareness, its own consciousness. That's the serpent or the pharaoh in man. It is what taught Eve about sex. Now, when Elohim came back and realized what they had done and all the rest of it, he didn't want them to, to, to reach up and hold on to the tree of life. He didn't want them to remain as they were. In other words, their journey had just started. Their journey into themselves had just start, started. And it wasn't an oversight. It wasn't an accident. It was designed that way. We're designed to be, to fall to this level. Do you think that's um, a slight flaw in in us? Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, we're designed to be on this level. Is that? Do you think that's like a flaw, or do you think it's like a positive uh, thing that's happened? It's a positive thing. Yeah. It's it's it. It was designed that way. Um, the Elohim, we, on the spiritual level. Mm have incalculable power. We created these worlds. Not the God. The, the God, the God of all existence, didn't create us, took us from within itself. In other words, we were with always within. And being alone, this is its way, his way, her way of not being alone. It took off from within itself, within its being, us. Hmm. These are the first sons and daughters of God, they, and they call the uh, Beni Elohim or the Christ or what have you. But that's who, that's who the, the high self is. Now, the high self realizes that it needs to grow. It needs to learn. The only way it can learn is to create, um, is to, to take energy, its energy, the energy in the universe, slow it down to form matter, 
and then go into that matter and have the experiences that we're having. You can't kill in the spirit. You can't rape. You can't murder. There is no envy. There is no hate. There is no nothing in the as a spiritual being. You just can't do those things because you're energy. You can't kill energy. You can't create energy. But in a physical form, you can. It's, um, <clears throat> it's mad, do you know what I mean? Like, because, like you said, like energy is, um, it, it can't be stopped. Um, I had um, Billy uh Billy Carson on from uh, Forbidden Knowledge and we was talking he he was mentioning about energy and saying like almost our soul um if when we die here our energy our soul uh our energy will transfer to the universe universal conscious and then come back if we haven't learned enough it, it's it's infinite do you know what I mean there's there's different levels of um I can't really remember what he's saying. It sounds bad, but basically, explain uh, saying exactly what you're saying. He was saying that you know the physical being can be killed, but the the energy can uh, is, is eternal, basically. Yeah, it is. It, it is eternal. Um, what people call love is energy. Mm-hmm. It's a particular type of energy. This type of energy exists in the universe in the the wild state meaning in its original form. But it is not as refined as you and I are making it. All the experiences you're having with girlfriends and what have you, lovers uh, on the earth, they're teaching you how to manipulate energy, how to generate energy just like a generator set. The, The goal is to get you to the point where you are able to generate energy generate this quote-unquote love without having any um, any goal for doing so. The goal is simply to generate it. Um, when people first contact the energy called love, they have to have an object to love. So we have each other. If that doesn't work, you have plants, you got the air, you have beautiful scenery, but you get, you, you, you're here and you learn to express it. Mm. When you, if you negotiate, if you negotiate uh, the envy, the hate, um, you know, the, the, the mass murderers and all the things that we have in life, if you negotiate all of that and still take this energy within yourself that you feel, that you call love, that you have for the planet and for, the, for the, the trees and the birds and for every life form. And you take that and you multiply that a billion fold, that will tell you how bright you are when you leave this physique. That's how bright you are. You're brighter than a thousand suns. <laughs> the problem is that most people get caught up in the physical. They get caught up in, oh, I lost my lover. Okay, you lost your lover today, then find another one. Yeah. You know, roll with the punches kind of thing. They, nope, it's this one, I gotta have this one. They spend an entire life doing that. They spend an entire life chasing a rainbow. And 
after the life is done, the, 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 the part that is really terrible, and I'll tell you why it's so terrible, the part that's really terrible is that they spend lifetimes doing the same thing repeatedly. Trapped sort of over and over and over again. Nobody traps you. Karma does not trap you. Hmm. You trap you. The things you don't want to realize will trap you. The things you don't want to see about yourself will trap you. This life is very addicting. You can get addicted to sex, your watch, clothes, shoes, cars, women, you name it. You can get addicted. So what happens to people? They die. They leave the body. They, it takes them a moment to realize they're dead. Uh, okay, what do I do next? What do I do next? Some of them, if they're fortunate, <laughs> some of them, if they're fortunate, if they haven't contacted um, some of these Christian characters that tell you about um, the, the, the 19 circles of hell and how Satan is waiting to burn fire under you and all the rest of it, and how Gabriel is going to come with a trumpet and blow this trumpet, yeah. If you haven't contacted, if you have sidelined, step aside from all of these people, you're in a perfect state to be able to see your loved ones line up and come to welcome you into the spiritual world. If you got, if you got sidetracked into one of these religious modes, and you believe in the devil and Satan and all the rest of it, you're going into the spiritual world. You actually, no, take it back. Be precise. You're going into the astral world, the belief zone. And if there is no devil, you're going to make him. You're going to make your devils. You're going to make your demons. So your best you understand what I mean? To, yeah, yeah, no, I, I get it. It's like... You're not going to the spiritual plane because, and uh, you're going to the astral plane or the astral world because, and, and you're going to be forming your belief system, basically, your reality um, in that, on that plane, in that dimension or however you want to word it, do you know what I mean? But on that level, you're going to be forming your belief system. So yeah, you're going to be in hell or whatever. So you need to strip yourself back and kind of be everything but nothing at the same time I think to sort of achieve that to, to achieve the spirit like have beliefs but have no beliefs it's the yin and yang I guess and everything is uh, yeah. quite important um, but Absolutely. yeah you know like you said obviously if you've followed a life of believing that when you die you're going to go to hell or uh, the devil's going to do this because you've committed sins when you die that is what's going to happen basically you're creating that um you're going to the astral world and creating that exactly there's um i um at the monroe institute one of the programs at the monroe institute that they offer is called lifelines hmm. lifelines is dedicated to helping um people who have um transitioned who've left the physical body and are stuck and believe me, there's a lot of stuck people. There are a lot. There's a lot of stuck people. I took part in the Lifelines program, and ever since, 
I took part in 1992. Ever since, I have been um, helping those who... <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> All right, that kind of betrays my age. But anyway, <laughs> I, I've been helping people who are stuck on the, the spirit, on the, in those with belief zones mm. to um, find their way to the spiritual plane. Um, one of the first persons that I learned to help is myself. I had a life, I lived a life in, I think it's 1785 or 1786, and my wife calls, she calls me then a, 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 the pistol-packing preacher. And the reason that she calls me the pistol-packing preacher is because back in 1780-whatever in the United States, I was a preacher that believed in the Bible, but I also believed in justice. So I had a six-gun. I wore a six-gun. I had a small congregation in the middle of nowhere. And I traveled by horseback from one town to the other. And um, I was a pastor. Somewhere in Wyoming or Nebraska or somewhere out there in the Midwest, I, I guess. Um, but I carried a gun. And um, I had no problem defending myself. In fact, I killed a, I killed a few people um, in self-defense. And I would say, you know, I would perform, <laughs> I would perform the last rites and bury them. <laughs> I performed the last rites and bury them. Um, now, Believing so much into heaven and hell, what that did at the end of that life, I went back to these to the belief zone area. This is uh, level twenty-five, and I built a home. I dug a home. I dug a home in level twenty-five that was as deep as an abyss. And transform myself to the uh, image that you would have of, um, you know, Lucifer with the cloven hoofs and the horns. <laughs> and at the end of that life, that is where, that was my abode on the spiritual plane. Now, how I know that is because my high self had me retrieve some of the personalities that... Um, of my own personalities that were lost, that became locked into the physical world after death. One of the first ones that I retrieved is um, a priest back in the 13th century. I was a, a Cather, C-A-T-H-A-R. Um, the Catholic Church beheaded me for, for marrying um, nobles and peasants. It's something that the Catholic Church forbid. Uh, we were more like druids than um, than anything else. We lived in forests, but in that life, I I was stuck. We were white. I was stuck. I didn't go to the light, as they say, and I had to go back and um, retrieve myself. So I retrieve myself 
in that life than in this life, this one where, you know, the pistol-packing preacher um, life, I actually had to go, I actually had to fly down a pit to find myself. And when I say a pit, I was, I can fly, I fly very fast. The fastest F-35 has nothing on me. I fly very fast. And this hole still took me a while to get to the bottom of it. How I managed to get myself out was to trick myself. Well, he tried to trick me. <laughs> he left with me because I told him, I've, I found him sitting on a rock by himself. Spitting image of Satan with the horns and everything, felt he's beyond redemption. And I told him, I'm here for you. And he left. And I told him after a while, I said, look, it doesn't mean I'll stay here for the rest of your existence, our existence, um, if you want. But I'm not leaving without you. He mumbled something and then he got an, a bright idea. And the idea was that he was going to fly out with me and then fly back. So I told him, go first. He started flying. I was behind him. And we, we were flying so fast that when we, when we exited the, the, the abyss, excuse me, when we exited, exited the abyss, we were flying so fast that we were probably in orbit. If the abyss begins on the face of the earth, we were in orbit when we stopped. And as soon as he tried to go back in, my high self sealed it, so he couldn't. I took him to the spiritual plane, and I gave him to um, uh, beings that deal with people with psychological problems. So that was one of the most crucial lives that I've had. I mean, stuck. The others were simple. Um, as an uh, Aztec, I think, or an Inca, that's where I learned to go out of body. And my um, my teacher's name was Red Hawk, and my middle name is Starhawk. I, I keep the name in honor of him. That was the first time I learned to go out of body. He was a shaman, hmm. and so was I in that life. On um, just <clears throat> to try and explain in... Um maybe in a simpler way like for anyone that might be watching or whatever would you have you ever seen the film with um jet lee and called the one i think it's called yes where he like goes to so forget of um so use the basis of that film um in the sense of he's going to different universes and every time one get uh, every time the different universe version of him gets killed he becomes stronger and um he manages to travel in between in between dimensions i think to when there's just two of them left and then it creates like the perfect being so what i'm saying is like in film sense it's kind of like you would be one version of this many of you and you're traveling between these different planes or different um different levels to try and uh pull and bring back different versions Correct. of you does that make sense that's that's Correct. the, that's the way I, I i try and i i'm analyzing it and i didn't want to think i'm analyzing it wrong but no 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 you're doing that's perfect it's it's a very good analogy um yeah precisely <laughs> and uh it, it it fits because when Jet Li 
when he well he kills when he kills that version of himself he becomes stronger mm. um in my reality when i retrieve a version of myself the whole becomes stronger yeah that the high self the dave that has no form becomes personality and they meld back into the entire unit all of us become strong and the knowledge that one has spreads to each one everybody's able to use that vast knowledge mm. so the more you retrieve the more personalities you retrieve basically is the stronger you get the wiser you get the the smarter you get and um yeah that's 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 basically what's going on you move um interdimensionally um the body that i use the form that i use to retrieve um, other personalities is about uh three foot between three and feet four feet tall um has bug eyes three fingers on one hand and a, three fingers on one hand and a thumb <laughs> and is the spinning image of your gray alien being and the reason the reason that that is the case is because my very first life many 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 moons ago my very very first incarnation was as an alien being this particular alien being on my chest are two serpents two serpents combined and what that represents is the uniting of um the um yin and yang the positive and the negative uniting of both into one uh, i'm an engineer my planet no longer exists it does not exist in this dimension and i've met one other person a woman um many years ago who is from my planet she used to make um she used to make up stories she thought they were just stories until she met me she used to make up stories about this dolphin called blue nose and all the description of what blue nose did is the things that we used to do on the planet um how the planet was life on it she made up stories for her son and one day i heard her she she both of us this woman and myself we both taught i'm a special ed teacher by trade so is she mm. and funny that we both teach special ed but i heard her one day um telling a son describing in detail this story um about blue nose the dolphin and what have you and she said her son used to love it she used to tell him these stories as a child and i when i finished one of the stories for her she was you know she was amazed how did you know and i said it's not a story it's something that actually happened on our planet where we came from and the only way you could know it the only way you could know that is you had to have come from that planet itself yeah. yourself what was that like what was that experience like do you know what i mean because i'm sure um you know maybe for her it may have been like a breath of fresh air to meet someone from the same you know dimensional planet well it was um she 
she's six foot tall. She's half Indian, half Indian, half black. She is, uh, uh, an, um, her nationality is Jamaican. Uh, but I said half Indian, half black. And she's tall. And her demeanor, the, the her everything, I mean, it's hard to explain, express, but I can understand why she chose the body that she's in. Yeah. Um, as these little beings, these little three foot, four foot beings, um, they're very, we are very graceful. Everything we do is, has a touch of beauty and grace added to it. Mm. And um, when you look at this person, the height and the way she walks, and, I mean, it's just, it's hard to describe. It's very hard to describe what I'm saying. But it, it made sense to me why she chose, knowing as I did, where we came from, I understood why she chose the body that she did. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it, um, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, her, like, obviously, I don't want to put words into your mouth with it, but you're saying, like, obviously, um, from where you're previously from, it's like the graceful being. So, her current body is all to do with, like, like you said, the way she walks, the her appearance is all kind of, of elegance graceful. and grace, yeah, exactly, graceful. I definitely get what you mean. The, even, okay. even the way, like, uh, she presents herself, um, walks around exactly. you could, it's that kind of uh royalty elegance kind of flutter yeah. you know what i mean there you so go it makes there sense you go. that's um, exactly it touching on uh if we can like retract slightly when we was talking about um love i think and you were mm -hmm. saying about um because <laughs> i i <laughs> to kind of put my own twist on it. I'm trying to remember how deep we went, but like love is love transcends basically is, is yeah, the fundamental. Yeah, because um, if you've seen the film uh, Interstellar um, mm, with Christopher Nolan in, where he goes through the black hole, yeah, and then he's in that um, I don't even know what dimension he's in, but another dimension. Uh -huh. Yeah, and um, he I think a line that he uses in there is like it's it was love, like love all along. Um, and I think that's like he goes through the black hole and love is what transcended him into that dimension to be able to make the story happen. And then he gets spit back out onto the... He, well, uh, he doesn't age at all. Everyone else has aged because time has no... No meaning. Yeah, no meaning, basically. And uh, like uh, that's the theory that I got from the film, like is that the reason why he survived going through the black hole is because the love for his daughter... Mm -hmm. was so powerful that it transcended him into this dimension to be able to help the human race, help his daughter, and then save the planet. So, yeah, in the sense of, like, dying or going to the spiritual plane and stuff, it's all about, you know, the love that you find and loving everything and then going out. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, you know. No, 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 you're not <laughs> wrong. No, no, no. No, no, I'm listening. I'm listening to you. You're, you're dead on. Love is the the energy. Um, it's love is the most devastating energy in the universe. It is the most devastating energy in the universe because it is the most powerful energy in the universe. Love is what keeps the universe existing. 
it is what keeps the universe from going poof. Well, it can go poof, actually, but it's what keeps existence. It's what keeps existence existing. It's the fuel that runs the machine. You have kind um, of um, the, the like, uh, I listened to a podcast re- uh, a little while back and they were talking about love and if, like, you truly love someone, you want them to be happy and, like, if you don't truly love them, then you get all this, like, jealous and greed and possessive states which like Mm -hmm. if people like you were saying i think with like relationships and people have got this like theory of what they think love is but it's not quote uh true love because you're still like need and thirst for them and greed and um lust or whatever these are all other emotions that stop the true meaning of love and stop you transcending i guess exactly so yes, they're, they're like the, the cogs in the um so like you said about the machine the the fuel is love that keeps it going but then you've got all these other aspects that are slowly trying to burst the machine or make it uh, not work or whatever as well <laughs> that's the well, way I want to word it well it, um it, in truth in truth in truth and in fact yeah the other aspects, think of love as this. Think of love as being white light. Mm. White light is made up of violet, indigo, blue, red, yellow, orange. Oh. Those like your chakra colors or something. <laughs> <They're> very similar. <laughs> yes, they are. But it's made up of all of these different and green. It's made up of all of these wavelengths of, of light, white light, right? You pass white light through a prism, it scatters into, you can see indigo, you can see um, bits of purple, you see it mixed, you see a little bit of tan. And it, it when you, you, um, you pass it through the prism, you can see these basic colors, yes, but you can also see gradations in the other colors. Mm-hmm. Love is like that. Envy, hate, anger, um, all these impulses, murder, you name it. Everything we experience on earth, believe it or not, everything we experience on earth, bar none, fits within that spectrum of white light. It's here for a purpose. That's why it's here. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, uh, uh, John Wayne Gacy, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, doesn't just happen. People don't just start eating people. <laughs> if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. They don't start just start <laughs> eating people. You know? Yeah. There's a purpose and a reason. You, you, you have a positive universe, which you are not forced to do anything. You are not forced to incarnate. You are not forced to come back here. You're not, because it's a privilege, actually. This is one of the highest schools, highest schools, highest level of um, teaching that you can get anywhere in the universe. This earth that we're on here, this material universe, it's because certain energies are just within our bodies are forced to mix and in other places, and there are many other places that you can incarnate, those energies aren't mixed the same way. You don't have the same problems. 
nor do you have the same rewards. If you make it through this life, and to make it through this life, to make it through this existence, all you have to do really is to learn. You just have to work with the process and to learn. Now, what do I mean by that? You could be born rich, poor, black, white, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, does not matter. From the time you're born, you, your, what is called your soul, your inner you, the self, becomes synchronized with a physical body. The physical body is the computer. It has its own awareness. And there's a, a communication process that goes on between the self, the real life, the, the being, and the physical body that has its own consciousness, limited consciousness. There's a, um, a negotiation that goes on. Once the physical body accepts the person, the real person, the real soul being that's entering the body, you have a life. If for any reason, and the reason can be the body rejects the soul or the soul rejects the body, you have a stillborn child. If the, if the soul enters the body and decides uh, this is not going to work and leaves it, you have a dead, you have a dead child in the crib. Mm. It's gone. It's just that simple. But if the, if the negotiation is successful, if everybody's pleased with, if, if the body is pleased with its guest <laughs> and the guest is pleased with its house, you have a person like yourself, a person like me and all the 7 billion of us out here. So what I'm saying is, to put, this, put it all in, in context, give it a, a, a form, we're here to learn, and what we're here to learn is how to, to use these energies, how to, how to create, how to manifest at will, and we don't realize that in the things that we do in life, we're actually learning some very, very important skills that are useful on the spiritual plane. They are very useful on the spiritual plane. The ability to simply discriminate between what you're feeling And to know that you're feeling a certain way at this moment and to be able to control it is something that not every being knows how to do. In fact, you are, you are, you come, you are emanated without the ability to do that. The ability to curb that energy. On the spiritual plane, without the physical body, hmm. you and I will have a conversation, right? We're talking. If I don't want you to read my mind, it's not happening. Yeah. It is just not happening. If I don't want you to touch me, it's not happening. The thing about it is it go that goes for you as well. The problem is not everybody knows this. <laughs> <laughs> you get it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's like it's like there's a box and the box has all the instructions. Nobody gets to see the instructions. All you 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 are given these opportunities to do and to be. Okay, Dave, do you want to try that existence? No, no, no! I want to be a, I don't want to be no fish swimming no way. I don't want to try. I'll try something else. Yeah. How about life? Uh, that looks kind of fun. Oh, I see they have something called sex. That looks that looks delicious. <laughs> I think I'll try that. <laughs> so here I go. Mm. Next thing, somebody's slapping me on the ass, and I'm going ah! and I'm screaming <laughs> because I'm bored. So now I have to learn. I have feet. What? What is that? I have hands. What is the hand? Oh, <laughs> shit. What shit? I don't know what shit is. And you start learning. You, you, you grow, you grow, you learn. You, you get your heart broken the first time. You get your heart broken the sixth, seventh time. You get your heart broken the umpteenth time. At some point in time, you're going to have to start doing some learning. Hmm. How do I deal with this emotion and not get my heart broken? Well, some people never some people never get to that point. They just keep on getting their heart broken because they figure uh, there's some kind of payoff. There yeah. is no payoff. The payoff is the wisdom that you gain. <laughs> no, that's you not, know how it, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, it makes like perfect sense. Um is that people aren't they're they're closing the book on themselves in the sense of like to keep making the same mistake over and over again and not learning from it. No, they're not. I have traveled from I have traveled from one end of the universe to the other. Level fifty is the um, only place that I have not been able to go because, as I found out later on, um, nobody can go there. Level fifty is the exit out of this universe. Once we leave it, we're not coming back. Mm. In this life, um, what I have been able to do and what all of the people who have gone to the Monroe Institute and are actively um, going out of body and learning and adding to this fount of knowledge and wisdom, what we've able, actually been able to do is to help our high selves learn so rapidly that in my lifetime, and I'm very proud of this, in my lifetime, they have moved six levels closer to level 50. They have moved from level 36, which they were on, to level 42. There are only seven more levels for, for us to attain. And then we're out of here. We meld as one unit. That means all of us. And I'm talking about billions of personalities in one. We're going to meld as, meld as one entity, one energy, and we're going to leave. This, in fact, is the story of Moses and the people of Israel wandering, that place they were wandering, the, the desert, mm. Desert of Sinai, it's meant to represent the astral world, the world of belief. The, the place you get caught, where you get trapped, you incarnate, you, you know, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a husband, I want to be a wife, I want to be a this, I want to be a dad, I want to be a chief, uh, I want to be a cook. You get caught. That's Sinai. Moses was not allowed to travel beyond into the promised land because you cannot, none of us can go past level 50 as individuals. You have to go melded 
within your high self and your high self is going to meld with other high selves. And as a group, we'll have the energy to move. That's the promised land. That's the reason why he wasn't able to um, to cross it. <coughs> he could see it, but he couldn't cross it. Yeah. No, I makes... have been able to see it. But uh-huh. you haven't been able to cross it. <laughs> I can't. No, it's a barrier. It mm. feels, it literally feels like a barrier. You can see at, at the edge of the universe, level 50, I can see in the distance, I can see other universes. I can't touch them. And I can't go past, I can't go past, it, it feels like a barrier. And as I have learned from Robert Monroe, and as I have learned from my own high self, um, it is a barrier, but the barrier is the fact that I'm too small. As individuals, we're too small. The, the amount of, of energy and knowledge and power that it takes no human being, no matter how powerful you are, can even come close to that amount of energy. It takes a, it takes a combined um, mass, a critical mass of energy, almost like a fission. It's, it's, it's like we're fusing into an atomic um, of core. Energy, yeah. yeah, ball of energy. And when we do, we're going to have this fission reaction that's going to give us the power to move um, out of it. This life I'm in here is my last. I am not coming back. I've already told my wife, I've told all my friends, if they have, if they're looking for me, don't expect me. I want no part. I'm done. I am ser- I'm serious. I have a house on the edge of level 27. It's full of glass. When you, you get there, should you get there one night? You'll see what I'm talking about. It has a white door. It has two serpents in gold for a knocker. You open it, you go in. I'm there. That's my house. I go to it every once in a while. When I leave here, that's where I'll be. And from there, there is a um, there's a pattern of um, existence that I've learned about through Robert Monroe. It's called the one life pattern. This existence we're living here, uh, most of us, is called uh, reincarnation. You do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over, over again. Mm. Uh, Robert Monroe, uh, uh, his high self and, and they have um, created and engineered, started a new pattern. And it's when I say new, New in terms of high selves can be a billion years. Mm. But they started a pattern that very few people on earth here actually know about or even believe that it exists. And this pattern is called a one life pattern. You go to this, the, um, you go back to the spiritual plane, you uh, become human one last time, and then you leave. Once you leave, you go into a future earth time where you are able to create bodies. I'm talking about create multiple bodies that you can use. (laughs) You're able to use and to see your own energy. You're able to travel. You're able to enter any one of these bodies, walk around on the earth, 
put an energy barrier around it so not even a, a, a microbe can get in. You're able to travel OBE, enter any life form, be it a wolf, dog, cat, lion, jaguar, what have you, and experience what it's like to be that animal and then leave. You're able to go into any animal and experience everything that that animal experiences, including death. Mm. And what is so wonderful about this, but you know, it's also, um, what's the word? Um, uh, it's a little bit um, strange is that you can experience everything up until death. In other words, if you enter the body of a fish or a dolphin mm. and that dolphin gets killed, you can experience what it's like to die as a dolphin and then leave the dolphin. Now, why this is important is that you're doing it consciously. You are, it's no longer a matter of unconsciousness. Mm. You have taken charge of your own evolution. So you can enter trees, plants, you name it. You can learn firsthand what it's like to be every form of life. And that gives you power beyond, I mean, power beyond words. Yeah, I think like <clears throat> you you kind of take onus of your rather than you um, like for instance the reincarnation effect that that goes you know and you're t you're making a conscious choice of where you want to go and what you want to experience and that's why it's so powerful you can kind of go I want to go there I want to go here whereas currently like I'll use myself as, a, as an example because I don't believe I'm at like a level yet um, to achieve to achieve that but um, it's like I'm kind of stuck in doing this cycle There's there, there isn't that choice do you know what I mean so that's why I'm not as powerful as someone who can pick and choose where they want to go yeah but you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, you yeah, are, it's hard to let me out. tell you let me tell you something. Mm. Let me tell you something. Take it for what it's worth. You're wrong. You, at this very moment, can pick and choose precisely and exactly where you want to go, what you want to do. Mm. You see, the thing is, your high self, even though you, are, you may not be... Um, uh, you don't communicate with it the way I do. Yeah. That does not mean to say that you don't communicate with it or that it doesn't communicate with you. Mm. A lot of what you know is at the level of unconsciousness. It, it doesn't mean that you don't do these things or, or you can't. The point in life is to, is to become aware of what you do. Mm. You, you are literally a God. I am literally a God. I mean, literally, not figuratively, hmm. literally. Our high selves, if it wanted to, could make you fabulously rich. That is nothing. 
because matter is to to change matter from one form for a high self is ridiculously easy. They literally can make money or planets or whatever out of thin air. Actually, they're making it out of themselves. But um, to the to somebody observing, it'll be like thin air. You can literally do just about anything. The reason that your high self doesn't do it is because it's already done. This works. This pattern works. They're not intervening in your pattern. They're allowing you to gain. You are the scout that you were sent on reconnaissance. You're here and you are discovering for yourself what you want to know, what you don't want to know, what you like, what you don't like, want to like, what you don't like. And that, when you in the long in the long run, when you look at it, it's actually be, it's shaping your personality. It's shaping you. It will define you. Mm. At the end of this life, you, Bert, <laughs> will be a particular color, a particular wavelength of light. I'm a particular color. I'm Dave. I am different from my other personalities. They are different from me. Yet, we are the same being. You it's, see what um, I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, I massively understand it. Like, it's it's hard to um, comprehend sometimes. Wrap your mind, sense. wrap your mind. It's yeah. hard to wrap your mind around the fact that you can have uh, another part of yourself that is a, um, a mathematic a mathematics genius hmm. or that you can have another part of yourself that is a musician or a carpenter or what have you and that literally that that is true hmm. all you have to do is believe it and what you're going to find is that you're going to start tapping you're going to start tapping in on all of these different abilities from all of these different selves then people are going to start calling you um, jack of all trades. You're able to do just about anything you turn your mind to. That only happens because of experience. It's not a, it's not a luck. It's not a gift. It's because yes, I've been an engineer. My little, like I said, my little alien personality is an, an engineer. In the military, I used to fix power generation units with rubber bands and um, stones, rocks. I kid you not. I used to fix our generator sets with rubber bands and stones. I have friends and that will will tell you themselves. Yeah. Rubber bands and stones. I understood the machinery better than the people that wrote the book on the damn machine. And I knew how to fix it. Don't ask me at the time how. I just knew, okay, you did, this is what you did. No, this is all wrong. The electricity doesn't flow like this. It flows like this. This is what's bad. So I, I, I had great success as a mechanic in the military fixing um, mechanical stuff. I'm the same way with computers. Anything no. mechanical. No, I think uh, technology-wise, I'm quite similar as well. Like, I can look at something and I just know how how it works. I don't know why. I've never been taught it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But I just know it's, it's weird. Some part of you, some part of you knows about machines. Hmm. 
some aspect of you knows about machines and you have allowed that knowledge you you haven't you haven't doubted it you haven't tried to analyze it no. you just accept it and use it right <coughs> you accept it and you use it well that's how all these other all these other facets of your personality that's just how they are excuse me as soon as you accept that they are whatever it is they are and you open yourself to it voila i read dreams now where did i learn that i had to discover i had to discover this back in um back in 1987 why does i can interpret dreams the way i i do i can interpret anybody's dreams tell you where um what it means what's going on with you what's going to happen that 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 oh. now where did i learn this i spent one life as a woman um came who came from a a well to do family in the united states and who in order to have my baby they sent me to the west indies and i was literally barefoot and pregnant and the way that i raised my child and paid for um my you know what we needed was by reading tarot cards well back then that's how it was called but by reading cards that's how i did it so it taught me that life taught me how to trust my intuition how to trust the the um emotional side of my being which of course you know a lot of men have a lot of problems dealing with their emotional side mm. if you don't trust the if you don't trust yourself who are you going to trust no it's a massive point i mean um that's one thing i do quite well like i've learned from a young age is to kind of uh, the gut instinct etc you know to go with that and trust my emotions and express myself i think um it's like massive like a massive thing do you know what i mean express yourself in a positive way obviously you know <laughs> you don't want to be Absolutely. like doing negative things but yeah i think a lot of people struggle with that that kind of like um stereotype where it's like i'm a man like i'm not an emotional guy yeah. you know yeah. struggle with it. <laughs> but you have you you have um you you have a lot of unexplored abilities and if you want to explore it just stop telling yourself that this is the 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 physical person that you see is all you are if you open yourself to the possibility that you are the one that is responsible for your being here and if you open yourself to the the possibility that everything that happens to you nothing happens by guess or by accident and i take issue with that but i know it's true um if you open yourself to that you're going to find that you are going to receive more information from those parts of yourself that you're not tapping into now do you think but, um sorry to interrupt you no go ahead um, no go ahead do you think that's kind of like in the sense like what the the law of attraction is is like opening yourself up to and believing it enough that you're tapping into so for example say i wanted to become uh, massively rich 
um mm-hmm. I'm, i can like if i believe it enough and i wish it enough i can almost have something like i'm opening myself up to this information that's going to come in and lead me down this path if i can't really explain it in in a good enough way but you know like the law of attraction the people think how it's working i maybe it was a part that you mentioned earlier but i could see this kind of relation of like opening yourself up to believe it enough that it you know the achievement happens right but the 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 law um this i don't know who it was that um i don't know where it started um that people began to to believe that all you had to do was attract mm. something to yourself and it would happen it's even simpler than that you don't have to attract anything um and i'll, I'll explain the process to you it's, it's very simple very very simple okay the process to to manifesting or to being what it is you want to be is this number one you have to determine whether or not your high self has something else that it has designed for you. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say that again. You have to determine, you have to find out whether your high self has something else planned for you. Your life, my life, and every other life is not open-ended as it may appear. Mm-hmm. It's more like a cell within a beehive. The cell is already fixed within the beehive. What is not fixed is the bee that goes out, gathers the honey, and comes back and fix, fills the cell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are the bee, <laughs> but the cell is fixed. Mm. It's hard In other to, words, like, mm-hmm. to accept that, do you know what I mean? It's, it's quite a hard thing to accept for yes, some people. It sounds, you know? like, it sounds like determinism, right? Mm. You're determined. Yeah. You're determined till a certain point. It's all written. It is all written. It's all done. In other words, this conversation that we're having, that we are experiencing here for the first time from our perspective, is ancient history. If I were to lay down right now and go out of body, I could go to any point in time. I could go to the year 2018, right? Mm. I could go to the year 2018, which we haven't lived yet. But I could go to the year 2018 and experience, quote unquote, the time there. Or I could go to the year 2717 and experience time, experience life there. This, when I look back at 2017, from 2717, this is ancient history. It's past. <laughs> it's done. We've already had this conversation. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. We are at this. We are at one and the same time in time and out of time. We are at the one at the same time, following a timeline. My timeline at the moment is Dave Starhawk Romain, and I'm following that timeline 
And I'm at a certain point, I'm going to get to where that timeline tam breaks, and I'm going to go onto the spiritual plane. You're following that. You're following your timeline, and at this point in time, this day could have been foreseen 60 years ago before either of us was even born, because again, the cell is already set. Mm. We are meeting. For the first time, we are having our first podcast. This is ancient history. It's already been done. I've already said what I had to say. You've already said what you had to say. Yet we're experiencing it consciously for the first time, right? Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So it's it's time, yes, we're experiencing all of this in time. That gives us the illusion of freedom. When things don't, when you have a law, when you've learned the law, and you try to put that law into practice. For instance, you get behind the car, you get behind the wheel of, of your car. The law is the law of gravity holds. You get between the wheel behind the wheel of your car, you turn the ignition, your car starts up, everything's okay with it. You drive down the road. You, you are not expecting your car to lift off the ground and fly. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, if you add some of these non-time factors, if some of these non-time these factors out of time enter our time, they can make quote unquote miracles happen unusual things happen you see what i'm getting at yeah yeah no it makes sense i think um there was um <laughs> in the form of uh this is like kind of um kind of relates there was like images of um buddhists like walking on walls and stuff like that oh, from the side yeah. and i think that's kind of like them having this experience out of time these magical things out of time. Yeah. Um, the only thing, the only thing physically I can um, tell you for a fact in in nineteen <laughs> in nineteen ninety three, January twenty fourth, nineteen ninety three, I was in Chicago, USA, downtown Chicago. And at that time, I was um, um, headed to the south side of Chicago to perform missionary work with two other um, women, two other sisters that belonged to the same organization that I belonged to. We walked into a mall that... It's right down. It's it's just a, a stone's throw away from where Oprah had a studio, um, where she used to do her show. Anyway, we walked into the mall, walked off the street, and when you walk off the off the street into the mall, you're not on the first floor. You're actually on the second floor. The first floor is actually down. If you walk to the railing and look down, that's mm -hmm. the first floor. But you walk off the street and you walk onto the second floor. So we walk we walk um, off the street into the mall. Door closes. There's a guy in a kiosk sell, selling stuff. The two sisters are standing, one to my right, in front of me about 
three feet or so in front of me, one to my right, one a little to the um, right of her. And as we're standing there, I felt a disturbance in the space behind me and a man walked out of that space. The guy that was selling at his kiosk stopped selling, his mouth just fell open, and this gentleman with a very, he had a very strange hat, a little shorter than me, he's about, uh, probably about five, nine or so. He had a very strange top, uh, a very strange hat um, on and a bag. And he walked out from behind me, literally appeared behind me, walked out into my view. I saw him at the corner of my eye. Now, there's no way that anyone could have um, snuck themselves in the back of me. Because this railing to my left is clear. There's nothing here. There's no one here. The railing to my um, to my right is also clear. The railing is about four feet behind me, and the guy to the kiosk is to my right, so probably uh, about mm, uh, ten feet or so away. He appeared out of nowhere, stepped into my view, and he said. Do you know how dangerous it is for you to go down to the south side of Chicago where you all are planning to um, do missionary work? I said, yes, I heard it's, it's dangerous. He said, why would you go? Even, he said, you know it's dangerous? I said, yeah. He said, why would, and you would still go? I said, yes. He said, why? I said, because if you're going to die by fire, you're not going to die by drowning. He started to laugh. <laughs> he said to me, he said, he said, um, okay. He said, um, however, don't go. Because if you go, it's not going to turn out the way you think. You, do you understand? <laughs> I said, yes. Then he, he asked me, he said, um, no, then he said, he said, I belong to an organization and I had the impression he was talking about an organization in this material universe, but not this, not this world. And he, he said, um, I belong to an organization and where you are anywhere in the face of the earth, we would be with you. And I looked at him, I thought about it for a moment, and I thought about, I had this picture in my mind, this picture has entered my mind, of not just them being um, with me anywhere I was on the face of the earth. I had the impression that at some point, I was going to leave this physical space and I was going to find myself somewhere many, many, many light years on some other planet somewhere. <laughs> and I thought about this and I asked myself, are you ready? And something in me said, I, you know, you're ready for a lot of shit, but your physical body needs to stay on the earth for now. <laughs> <laughs> and I started to laugh and I said to him, I said, thank you for the offer. 
I said, but um, not at this time. I'm not ready for that quite yet. He said, okay. And the, one of the sisters, she turned to him, and before she could open her mouth, he just started telling her things about her. She has, she, has a, she has a twin, telling her about the children, the way they were born, certain things that she shouldn't do, what she should give them to eat, what she should um, refrain from giving them. And she just was standing, oh, my God, how would, oh, yes, 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 yes. And I was standing there, died with laughter, because I had told them about going out on the street. When I walk, when I walk on the street, I'm never alone. When I go out on the street walking, I am never alone, never alone, regardless of where I am never alone. I would meet people. Um, they look like regular people. The only thing is when they approach me, there's a, I have a, a very strange feeling on the, on my, on the inside and like in my solar plexus area, mm. I have this strange feeling and I, oh, I can always, I can pick them out in the crowd. But I would meet them, and they would tell me things, oof, don't do this, you need to do that, this is going on with you. Um, they have even kept me from making serious mistakes, I mean serious mistakes in my own life. But it only I only see them when I go out, I have to be outside, it's never in... With, within my home, I would see, um, I'd see the dead. I would see people floating through. Sometimes people come, they will take me, um, wake me from my sleep, take me out of my bed uh, for whatever reason. Um, sometimes they're lost, uh, they're stuck. The very first uh, week I was in Canada, I think the Saturday that I arrived in Canada, we lived in a place in LaSalle, and I call this place Go Central because as soon as we walked into the house, I these the place was full of beings that have passed on, but they stuck around and they were walking all through this house. Um, others started seeing it, feeling it, experiencing it. One night we were... Myself, my wife, and her son, we were sitting talking late one night, and a cup picked itself off of the counter and fell on the ground. I was making a reference to, uh, actually, I was talking about these beings um, and, and how I would help them and what I did last night and what have you. And I guess one of them wanted to get my attention, so he picked up the cup and he threw it on the floor. And we both, we all turned around, and I, I said, did you see that? She's like, hell yeah, I saw that. She's like, oh, shit, you need to keep your friends, buddy. You need to keep your friends. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to keep your friends. You need to talk to your friends. Keep them by you. Yeah, so, yeah. Um on that note, one thing I'd like to mention that, that was very re rewarding was one night, <coughs> um, I didn't know that there's a very large cemetery that's not very far from where we lived. And it would appear that there are veterans that are buried there. 
and they literally hung out in the cemetery until one night somebody came and got me and I found myself with this hat on my head excuse me, dressed like a soldier climbing onto the back of a truck with other soldiers they were all dead, they were all deceased they were stuck and they were calling me sir they, they were perceiving me as a general they thought I was a three-star general. Mm. So, I mean, the, the, your high self uses whatever is necessary that would get the attention of whoever it is you're going to help. So in this case, I was a general, which was pretty cool. I, I thought it was, it was cool to go from a specialist to a general. But they were seeing me as a general, and they would do what I said. So I told them where to go. We left in the truck. Um, we drove probably about half an hour, stopped. Um, this light, it's a craft, but it was engulfed in light, came down. They got off the truck, bid me bye, went in the craft, and they were gone. So it was really rewarding helping some of my Canadian veteran deceased counterparts. Mm. <laughs> move, move that's forward, sort of basically yeah yeah so it, it was yeah i mean they're, they're a little perks to the job it's not all um drudgery mm. they're little perks to it. that's one of the little perks um a question i sort of um that obviously i didn't go through this with you beforehand it's kind of just sprung to mind um and it was at the beginning uh when mm -hmm. you was mentioning about um sort of religion and like the catholics and stuff like that um mm -hmm. What are your views on yeah? What are your views on um, the Catholic churches and the conspiracies that sort of surround them? You don't have to go into it if you don't want to, but oh know. no, no, I have no problem going into it. No. Yeah. Well, I, I love to talk about Catholic Church, like the, the corruption <laughs> and stuff. Do you know what I mean? What are your views on what's going on there? The Catholic Church and all churches are in the in their last days. The Catholic Church is not is not created by God. In fact, no churches. It's not created by any God anyway. Um, people, men, create churches, temples, and what have you for their own purpose. In, in some cases, the purpose is to control others, in case of the Catholic Church. Hmm. Constantine, Emperor Constantine, back in, in 500 AD, I think, he was um, one that gave the Catholic Church its form, its structure, that solid Roman structure. He put it on a firm foundation. And many of the books in the Bible um, that eventually ended up, well, all of the books in the Bible ended up in the Latin Vulgate, which is the original, the, the traditional first Catholic um, Bible, was um, uh, discussed by... I think it was two or three hundred bishops, different bishops in in their own put in their own private little sects. Um, one person would be a bishop living in I don't know Rome. One person would be a bishop. He's living in Tuscany somewhere. One's a bishop. He's living, and they're not connected. Mm. Constantine invited all of them together, and they um, went over what uh, books. Some of them had books, others didn't have. So now they were going to they were going to create they're going to collate all of the information that they had, 
all of the books, all the manuscripts, that, not books, but manuscripts that they had, they were going to put it into one form. And they are the ones that transformed um, Yesh Yeshua ben Joseph, that people call the Christ. They transformed him into God, or, or the Son of God. Um, they transformed him, meaning that that is not who and what he said about himself. He was called the teacher of righteousness, just as is recorded in the Nagamani um, scrolls. He was called the teacher of righteousness. He was a scene, um, which is a sect that is non-Jewish. He was made a Jew at the age of 12 when his, his parents and him, um, when the Bible records that at the age of 12, they, they were doing the census. The Jews believed that the, um, the Messiah, and they had prophecies of this Messiah, that the Messiah was going to be of the house of David. And the Messiah, when he came, was going to overturn Rome, turn the world upside down. He was going to reign, and the Jews are his people, so they were all going to be prince and princesses. And of course, the rest of us were going to be their servants. So the Jews, although they had, they didn't have political power per se, the Romans had, well, no, I take that back. The Jews didn't have military power. The Romans had military power. The Jews did have a certain amount of political power, a certain amount of political will. And as such, they got the Romans to, to, um, to institute the census. This census was um, such that you would have to leave your home and travel to Judea, and they would examine you, the high priests of the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they had a council called the Sanhedrin, and they would ask you questions about Judaism, to see whether or not you could be made a Jew. The Christ was not born, uh, Yeshua ben Joseph was not born Jewish. He was made a Jew at the age of 12. When he and his parents went up to um, uh, Judea, and his parents, I mean, he was 12 years old. At this point in time, he's considered a young man. He could handle his own story. Back then, you could handle yourself. So his parents are headed on, on the way back to Galilee, and it's halfway there, they discover that he's missing. Now, people have mentioned, well, what kind of parents would forget about their son? Some say, well, because he was God and they knew he was God. No, it's nothing like that. He was considered, he, he was, he, they knew he was bright, he was smart. They knew what he came to do. They knew that they didn't have to watch him 24-7. So at the age of 12, he was considered a young man, and he could handle himself. They didn't have to be there with him looking over his shoulder. They found him sitting, discussing the law with the priests of the temple. It was at that time that he, they discovered that he had the facility of mind to be made a Jew. And that is how he becomes a Jew. He's not, he wasn't born a Jew. Um, so the Christ, which some people say is a myth, uh, 
after what two, after two thousand years, I can tell you that Yeshua ben Joseph is is quite real. Um, he is my elder brother and yours. Mm-hmm. Um, he is not what many people say that he is. He is an avatar in the sense of he's one of the oldest high selves that exists, if not the oldest. And as such, he was chosen to demonstrate to us what it, it, what we're capable of doing. He calls you brother. He'll call me brother. That's, 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 just the way it is. Mm. Um, it's not about you bending down and kneeling to him and, and kissing God's ass. Excuse me, by the <laughs> excuse my French. It, it's not about that at all. Um, it is about we are we have one father, one parentage, one source. All of us, we're all sons and all daughters of this one God. So religion got that wrong. Buddha got it right. Buddha, in his um, in his med- true, by using meditation as his uh, chief tool, Buddha took himself to level forty nine. When he got to level forty nine, just as I did, and just as you will at some point in your your life, at some point in time, when you go to level forty nine to go into it, it's a space. It's the only way I can explain it in, in a way that would make sense. It's a space. You feel it. You feel there's something there, mm. but not know what it, what exactly it is. There's nothing to see. As okay. soon as you step into that space, you're going to lose all sense of having a physical body, all sense of being one person, and the entire universe is going to be a part of you. You're going to see suns, planets. You're going to watch them drift. And then you're going to wonder, what exactly am I watching them with? Because there's nothing here to see. <laughs> you are just, you are the container. Mm. The universe is within you. And you are stretched thin. Your eyes are everywhere. That's what Nirvana feels like. And uh, emotionally, there's no thought crosses your mind when you're in it. You never realize that until you get out of it. No thought crosses your mind. Not a stray thought. Nothing crosses your mind. You are, and for the moment that you're in it, it feels like a, it's an eternity. And the thing about it is, the more you do it is the more you want to do it, and it makes you very, very homesick. I don't do it that much unless I'm show, trying to, sh- like, well, unless I'm showing someone, um, and that person has to, if that person has the ability to see spiritually, mm-hmm. which takes us a, a little development here and there, yes. Uh, if you have the development where you can see within, and your cable, you're able, you're able to see within. Then, taking you from where you are, right where you're sitting now, to level forty-nine is child's play. It's a, it's a thought away. It's just that close. 
and I'm not I'm not making it. Um, it's just that close. It's just that simple. It's not too complicated. It's not complicated at all. It is not complicated at all. But there's so much to unlearn. Mm. Buddha said it best. There's nothing to add. There's a lot to unlearn. A lot of things you've been taught by people about spirituality is just plain wrong. It's just plain wrong. Yeah. Um, from their point of view, if they think it's work, it works for them, hey, so be it. Um, I know what works for me. And I know that a lot of things that people, for instance, prayer. You could pray till the cows come home. When you, in, when you are out of body, you could pray till the cows come home. Nothing is going to happen. You ain't going to see no God. You're not going to see Buddha. No Imam. No Muhammad. Nobody. You ain't, go, ain't nobody. Then as soon as you say one word, help, all of a sudden things happen. <laughs> you respond to you. You help you. All the help I've ever been given has been from within myself. Even when myself, my high being, my high self reaches out and contacts another high self to say, Dave needs a glass of water. And you come over not knowing why, but you walk over with a glass of water and say, Dave, you know what? I just felt that you needed some water. It's still my high self that's doing it. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Makes sense to me. Um, <clears throat> touching on, because uh, uh, you were saying like the, the Buddha said that there's nothing to learn. It's only to unlearn. It kind of goes to like another question that I did ask you about um which was like this flat earth theory. Flat earth um, theory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, all the conspiracy, as they say. Um, and obviously, like, we've been trained to uh, see the world as a globe. Or mm -hmm. It is a globe, in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. And people who are flat earth believers are like, oh, you've been conditioned to believe that, that you need to... Um, Un unlearn that situation so I thought it was a good time for me to ask you what your views are on that whether you believe it or what well human beings have been traveling in ships for a mighty long time and as they travel from east to west um, none of them to my knowledge has ever fallen off um, <laughs> or floated <laughs> off into, <laughs> into space. Off into space. Um, the technology that we have does us some justice in the sense that the pictures of the, the planet, although there is a movement, again, there, there are some people that say, well, man has never gone to any other planets. He can't do it. Da, 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 da. Man has never been to the moon. They did it on the, in the studio. La da da la da da la da da la da da. From my experience, actually leaving the Earth and watching it, it's round. It's actually round. <laughs> it does look like a blue marble. <laughs> it does look like a blue marble. And if I travel around it on the outside, I can go from one end to the other. It it's it's not quote unquote flat. So again, this universe is this this universe, this world that we in, 
is so wonderful. And this is the one really if, if when you think hear me, when you hear what I'm about to say, you're gonna understand why I say wonderful. You can believe anything you want to believe. You can believe nobody is going to force you to believe anything. If you want to believe, meaning the general public wants to believe the earth is flat, then the earth is flat. Will it make the earth flat? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but if you want to believe it, have at it. Hmm. Some people want to believe, and some people want to believe, which I will tie this into the Catholic Church and the Inquisition. Some people want to believe that the Catholic Church is the true church. You can't be saved, quote-unquote saved. I don't know saved from what, but you can't be saved. You're not going to go to heaven if you don't believe as the Catholics believe. Okay. I have seen where the Catholics go when they die. It is no different from where the Protestants go when they die. <laughs> I have actually gone into um, this particular place in, in on the astral plane. The people call it, the only way I could make sense of it, um, its name is New Development. That's what it was called. That's a name that opened into my mind when I asked the guy, "Where is what? what is this place called? Whatever language he was speaking, and he was speaking some language, I could understand it, but I had to translate it into English. And what opened in my mind is that the close translation was new development. The people in new development are, were all Christians. Now, they knew reincarnation existed because they were in a line getting ready to reincarnate. They knew reincarnation existed. They have an oversell, which I have discovered is, is very much the case for all, um, all belief systems, all zones have an oversell. In other words, when the Catholics get together, they create a God. The God that they create is a combination of their own minds. But it acts like an over-self. Hmm. Um, when the Protestants, if you're Episcopalian, you have an Episcopalian God. If you're Jewish, you have a Jewish God. If you, regardless of who you are, you have a God to suit yourself. And what happens is when somebody as curious as myself happens to come into your environment, you, they know, they can see that you don't belong. Because I, number one, I fly. And in many of these zones, the people don't fly. They walk. So when I come into, uh, if I lay down and, and go out of body and, and go, um, <laughs> go exploring and go into one of these zones, I'll fly. I know how to fly. I know it's possible. I've been doing it for many, many years. I'll continue to do it. So I fly. Whenever I fly, they always look at me like, what the hell are you doing? They know automatically I don't belong. Um, one time, I'm not ashamed to say this. Maybe I should be, but I'm not ashamed to say I did this. I went into a particular zone, and I blended. I learned how to blend with, blend in with the people. 
to look like one of them. And the reason I learned how to blend in with the people is because sometimes when I, um, I go to retrieve different people, sometimes you have to adopt uh, the facial features or uh, you, you have to look like, you have to look like what the person would expect sometimes mm. um, in order to communicate with them or they don't communicate with you. Uh, a brother, a mother, a sister, uncle, an aunt, or something else. Um, anything that would get them to warm up to you and communicate so you can then lead them from where they are to the spiritual world. So I've learned how to adapt. Went into this world, and I say, you know what? All these people in this spiritual zone here, I could see their over, their over self, their, their, their God. And I knew that their God was nothing but a combination of their minds. They didn't know that. I also knew that I could very easily take control of their God. <laughs> so, so that's what I did. I took control of their God. And in taking control, yeah, hey, Listen, when I, in, in a minute, I'm going to tell you some of the things that some of these people did to me. That's why I have no qualms in doing these things to them. <laughs> <laughs> I took control of their over-self, their God, collective mind. And the waves, on it, this happened at, um, at a seaside location. They actually have a sea, a beach. And the waves are going back and forth just like a regular beach. Now, I know that's all a creation of their mind. It's no, there's no water here. There's nothing to breathe. There's no air. There's no water, you know. And that is no God above them. But again, they don't know it. So I say, you know what? Let's see how they're going to respond if I take control. I took control. And I took control of their ocean. And I walked... You know, you know that whole picture of Jesus walking on the water? Yeah. <laughs> you should see a boy. <laughs> you should see me walk on the water. <laughs> I walked, I walked, I walked, I walked on the water, walked on the water. And in, in full view of everyone, they stopped what they were doing. And their mouths were like, He's walking on water. I walked on the water. I turned around. I stood there. And then I made the ocean. I mean, it was like a storm. Just rolling. And they just they just pulled back from the edge of the they pulled back from the edge of the beach. And they all kind of huddled together and they're watching and they're like, holy, you know, oh my God. Who is this? Well, they must have thought I was the devil. And the, the ocean is, is rolling back and forth. And then I said, peace, be still. <laughs> and it calmed down. It calmed down. The ocean just cut as cool as calm as The next thing I know, I was the one running. Their, their minds created a missile. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and I could see the bush with a long trail of smoke headed towards me, and I just took off. I started to fly. I flew, I flew. This thing flew me. I mean, it was me. It tracked me everywhere I went. It tracked me. It tracked me. And I was not about to to um, to let it catch me. I didn't know what the effect was going to be. Mm. So I wasn't about to let it catch me. So I flew, I flew, I flew, I tried to. And as I'm as I'm flying, trying to outrun it, my high self said, you don't need to outrun it. You could change it into whatever it is you want. You already have control of the overself. <laughs> and I stopped. I stopped running. I landed. And as it's coming, the only thing popped into my head, you ever seen um, Ernie and Bert um, on Sesame Street where Ernie is in the bathtub with a rubber ducky? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> it just fell back. It fell like I changed it to another rubber ducky. <laughs> and I was standing there. I'm standing there, I'm looking at this, and I'm dying laughing. I say, oh, let me just leave, let me leave these people alone. And I flew back into my body, and I got up, went to the computer, started writing it down, and I wrote it down. But most of the worlds are just like that. They will chase you. They will chase you. I had a man chase me. I had a man chase me for seven straight years. Every time I came out of my body, he'd be there chasing me for seven straight years until one day he, um, he went into my, my parents live on level 24. They have a little wooden house on levels 24. Uh, they're both deceased, by the way. And one day I went out of body and found them both standing outside in the house. So I said, I said, what are you doing out here? I said, what are you doing out here? Why aren't you in the house? And my mother turned to me and she said, him. And there's this guy. I recognize him as the same guy that had been chasing me for seven years. And he's standing in the they have a, um, a wooden uh, patio. We call it a gallery. And he's standing there. And I got so mad. I, I, went, I walked into the house. I grabbed him. And I went straight through the roof with him, holding him in a bear hug. Straight through the roof with him. And I flew higher and higher and higher and higher. And when we were about, let's say about 250 feet off, away from the house, I started to read his mind. And I realized that this, this being that I was holding on wasn't a thought form or a being that lives in the spiritual world. It was a man. This was somebody who, just like myself, was lying down or you know in the magic circle or whatever it is, found himself on the um, uh, astral plane and for whatever reason, bumped into me and for seven years had been chasing my, excuse me, chasing me, well, chasing me. And that made me so, it made me so mad. It made me so mad. 
that I, um, I said to him, you have a body. I know you have a body. I can sense your body. I can feel your body. You have a physical body lying somewhere, either in a bed or somewhere safe. Do you know what would happen to you if I dropped you from this height? You don't fly, do you? He just melted. All his will, he just... And the reason he melted, like that was a way of, of saying, um, that was a way of saying, oh, you know, oh my God, you know, <laughs> he's going to kill me. <laughs> oh shit! He is, he's about <laughs> he's about to kill my ass, and from within me, I heard my heard felt my high soul saying, "Don't drop him. Just one single. Just don't drop him." I came very very easily. I glided down. I landed, and as soon as I let him go, I haven't seen him since. I wonder why. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let me just tell you this one one thing. Um, I I used to be, um, I used to conduct um, metaphysics classes on a program called Pal Talk. It's, uh, It's like Skype. They have rooms you can you can um, invite up to 500 people, and you can have conferences and what have you. And I discovered Pal Talk uh, back in 2003, so I started holding um, metaphysical classes on on Pal Talk. One day, the 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 room, the buzz about the room spread around Pal Talk because what happened is that when people came, they would always come for healing. I have never seen so many people in in need of healing in my life. It seemed like the entire world was in need of healing. Nine out of 10 people that came into that room had some physical complaint that they wanted to heal. So reluctantly, I got into healing and that kind of took over because they spread, the word spread from one to the other that this room did healing. Myself and nine and eight other people, um, we heal as a circle. That's a whole different story, why we do that. But we heal, heal as a group. And um, it's actually, I mean, wonderful things, marvelous things happen. Anyway, this woman, one night, came into the room she waited until everybody had their say and she listened to what I was saying. And she took the microphone and she said to me, she said, um, Starhawk, which is the name that I used back then on in the room, she said, Starhawk, you're a fraud and I'm going to prove it. I said, okay. <laughs> and then she left. <laughs> <laughs> The room closed, my room closed about four o'clock that morning. It was a Saturday. Four o'clock that Saturday morning, my room closed. And as soon as I put my head on, on the pillow, 
I found myself out of body standing in this nondescript environment. Um, nothing to see, just floating out there. But in the distance, something was coming towards me. And as it drew closer, it got larger. It came to within, let us say, uh, 30 feet of me. And it was so large, it was so large that I could not see all of it. I had to move back perhaps about 100 feet or 120 feet in, in order to be able to see all of it. And what it was was an Indian, an American Indian. And he was huge. I'm talking about probably 60 feet tall. So here I am. I'm, I'm this little speck. <laughs> I'm just about that tall. And this thing is the size of a skyscraper. And immediately I realized that the um, Native American woman went back and she's, I guess she's, she's a shaman. So she went back and called one of her guides and sent her guide to me. So I started to laugh. I created a picture in my mind of myself blowing. It's something I learned. It's a trick I learned from Robert Monroe. It means I can. It means that you cannot be created nor destroyed. I created a picture in my mind of myself blowing, just blowing apart into fragments and coming back together. Blowing apart and coming back. Blowing apart and coming back. And what that means is, I know I'm energy. I cannot be created nor destroyed. Not only that, ain't a damn thing you could do about it, buddy. There's nothing you can do to me because I know. <clears throat> you can't harm me. You can't hurt me. I'm energy. I know I'm energy. And I let him know that. It took him a minute to receive the thought, process it. And then he smiled from ear to ear. He looked to, he, he turned to me, and before he left, I said, tell your, um, tell, not your student, tell, tell the person that sent you that I said good day. And he bowed like this to me, like, you know, the way you would, mm. okay. And he was gone. I floated around a little while, and then I went back to bed. The following day, about 7 o'clock in the evening, I went back to the room. This is a Sunday. And we had another session. And she came in, and she asked for the mic. I gave her the mic. She got on the mic, and she said, um, she said, Starhawk, my apologies. And then she explained to the room our encounter the night before, what she went home and what she did, and that she sent her guide to me to test me, and that her guide came back and gave her my regards. <laughs> <laughs> well, needless to say, those in the room who perhaps thought that what I did or what I talk about is it's a dream or imagination or what, I, what have you, they realized that it's, it's deathly real. So again, let's again some credibility with the people that were there. 
because of what she did. So I was grateful for, for that. Um, no, I don't have much challenges anymore. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, that, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like, you know, anyone watching, obviously, be open-minded with it and understand that, you know, you're not conning people or anything like that. You're sharing what you found to be true. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, I don't want to say it's a belief system because it's not, do you know what I mean, based on things that I've mm-hmm. learned and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? I can say safely that it's it's not a belief system it is the way of life and uh you know people need to gain more knowledge in these areas you know like well, everything you've spoke to me is is it's been a massive um learning curve of in this like three hours learned more than i've probably learned in the last 25 years <laughs> Do you know what i mean <laughs> it's been mad I, I think that's i think i think that is one of my one of my main purpose in being um, the person that I am. Mm. My, you know, I, I've told you how powerful that my high self is and yours and everybody's high self. Um, I, I will also tell you, and when I tell you that, um, when I say to you that you need to know whether they have, um, they have a, a plan um, going on for you, besides what you may have for yourself, um, and you need to know what it is because the law of attraction is definitely not going to work if they have some, if, if your destiny, if you are designed, if your little shell, your little life path is going down, is going up a mountain and is going to get to the top of the mountain and you want to do A, B, or C that may divert you from that, it's not going to happen. No matter what you know, it's not going to happen. They're not going to allow it to happen. Um, I have, in in um, 2008, I <clears throat> decided that I wanted to, I would go out of body, I mean, spontaneously. My head would hit the pillow and a minute or while my body, my, my body's still sinking into the pillow. I'm falling off to the ground. My head is going back like this and I'm getting, waking up on the ground. <laughs> it's the more you go out of body is the more it happens. <laughs> Until it, be, it takes off and it's, it, will, it will take control of your life. You just go out of body at the, somebody only has to breathe and you're out of body. So anyway, I decided, I said, no, 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 this, this out of body experience is just as bad as anything else. It's as addictive as every, anything else. You still have to maintain control over it. And I started thinking about all the things that, um, well, there's one thing they want me to do, which is uh, problematic. It's a, it's a start of a whole new way. It's, for people, it would be a start of a whole new way of um, uh, dealing with spirituality and accessing spirituality. Hmm. But one, the thing that's problematic 
about it is that I can't see any way that it doesn't take money to do this. So I'm saying to my high self, and we've had this conversation many, many times, I'm saying to them, okay, give me the money. I don't need to, why should I need to solicit? Why should I need to go out there and say, well, people you know I'm going to build this, da, da, da. give me the money. You know you can do it, just send it to me. And their response is, no. <laughs> their response is, no, you're going to, you're going to get what you need to get. And no, we're not going to do it. <laughs> and I take, I, I'm serious. I'm telling you this, this straight. I take um, exception. Why have this power and you're not going to use it? That's what I keep on saying. What? Do it. I mean, they can, they, huh. it's frustrating. Mm. It is very frustrating. Why do I need, and I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking it out loud. Why do I need to? I, I know what they. I know. I know the reason. Um, why do I need to do it the old-fashioned, the hard way? Mm. When you know when, that you can get it <laughs> the easy way, you know. The, the, the hard way, let me tell you what the hard way is. The hard way is what we're doing right now. Now, when you get, you you, could, you take this, you look it over, you can edit it however it is you want and what have you. Okay, you put it out there. People are going to see it, they're going to watch, da, 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 da. some people are going to be curious, they may ask questions, or oh, they want to get involved or what have you. Now, each one of those people, look at it from my point of view, each one of those people is coming with a mindset. Mm. They're coming with things that, they're coming with obstacles, they're coming with, they, they're coming with, with, with obstacles they've put in their own way perhaps for the last 50 years, which is, is it's, easier, it's easier said than done when you talk about helping someone <clears throat> to move from where they are to the next level people can be very resistant. Mm. They want spirituality, but they want it on their terms. They want to tell you what's out there, and they've never been out there. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. And so you end up, it is, it is frustrating to no end. You end up talking to people, some people take, um, some people take, a, okay, um, they'll take a, 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 an approach such that, okay, I'm open to learning something new. What do you have to say? You say, well, okay, look, you can go out of body. You don't have to try to use, you don't have to, to try to go out of body by using um, sleep paralysis. In fact, sleep paralysis should never be used as a tool to get out of your body because sleep paralysis by its very nature focuses you on the thing you want to get away from. Now, you know how it is to convince somebody not to use sleep paralysis when they've been using it for the last 15 years? Hard. <laughs> very hard. Your body 
it, sleep paralysis is a mechanism that keeps you from acting out what's going on with you spiritually or in dreams. It paralyzes your body. Some people realize that at that point in time, it also you're you're also able to be um, in what is called a, a focus twelve state, a state where your mind is awake and your body's asleep. So they try to use sleep paralysis as a means of getting out of the body. Instead, they waste a lot of time and a lot of energy because they're focusing on the very thing they want to get away from. Forget about the sleep paralysis because your, your being, your spirit, your soul, if you were, knows the territory better than your conscious mind does. Your conscious mind is going to catch up after you have succeeded. Once you've succeeded, gotten out of body, and you have traveled around and you feel what it's like to be out of body, you, you, you learn how to use a dream, how to awaken yourself in a dream and simply travel in a horizontal direction or in a vertical direction. And the next thing you know, you're no longer in a dream, but you're out of the astral world you're out of your own head and you're actually in the spiritual world. Once you, you actually are in it and you've done it, there's no telling, there's no stopping you. There's no holding you as to what you can do. But in the very beginning stages, you have to learn, you have to, to, to rein in that part of yourself that tells you that you know the territory better than somebody who who lives there. And I live there. Just that simple. Mm. I live there. If you want to get to where I've been, there, there are two ways. There are two ways to get to where I've been. There's the easy way, and then there's the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> the hard way, for everybody that sees this video, the hard way is doing it how you've been doing it. If you are, have not been effective, you're doing something wrong. Just that simple. I don't care how many books you've read. I don't care who, whether it's William Bowman or who that you learn this thing, whether you've read Robert Monroe's book, three books, a hundred times you miss the point. If you still if it's not effective, you're doing it wrong. Mm. I have met uh, probably about a handful, five or six people that I've talked to that actually have said to me, before I ever say the technique I use, have given me the exact same technique verbatim. All you have to do close your eyes, get, you can put on your favorite music. The whole point of it is to be conscious. So if you're using binaurals or whatever it is you're using, fine. Close your eyes. The point is to free yourself from the physical form. Go to the bathroom before you lay down. Wear loose-fitting clothing so that nothing is pressing on your body. You don't want anything to remind you of the physical body. Think of it as um, an experiment in imagination. Go with it. 
create a picture in your mind, a, a black background. Think of space, dark space. See it open and real as, as if you can walk into it. Picture a little point of light or a cube in that space. Tell yourself, I am that cube. Then use the imagination and push that cube. Just travel, just go with it. And before you know it, before you know it, you're going to be just where you want to be out of body. Because what happens is, it's like a tease. It's What you're doing is you're creating a picture of traveling out of body that is exactly like what happens when you actually do it. It's like um, the... Um... I imagine laying down and my soul is like you said with the cube in the sky so I'm imagining that but it's like a string attached to my soul being and as the cube pushes away it's pulling me out does that make sense that's correct yeah. that's so, it's just that simple yeah it does sound I might give it a go it's free it, it, it's free am here <laughs> oh <laughs> it's that simple I'll definitely be giving that a go but um yeah no massively uh i mean i've run out of questions to ask um but massively appreciate <laughs> your time um and we'll, we'll definitely uh if, if you're up for it if you're happy to come on again sure we'll definitely sure, go sure, through some stuff um definitely go through a few more bits and bobs i'll talk to you off um off of the stream anyways in a second just to run through a few things but yeah thank you for your time Really appreciate it. So much information. <laughs> Just massively, massively appreciated as well. You know, I've got, um, you know, my friends Kyle and Mike. They they've been involved in your in a few of your groups. I know they're going to be giving this a watch as well. So, you know, massively appreciate it. But yeah, uh, anything else you'd my like pleasure. to add? Well, um, I would only like to thank you. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to um, to be a part of what you're doing. I think it's great. Mm. I think it's really good. Um, for myself, it gives me some ex exposure. It puts me out there. Um, and it's something that I definitely need to do, needed to do. And um, I'm glad that you were the one that... I had this rapport with. It's Thank great. I'm, I'm definitely going to be um, here whenever you're ready to do this again. And um, <laughs> uh, we didn't cover everything <laughs> because it's a it's, no, that's it's it. a lot. But, I think um, it's um, you know definitely some stuff I'd love to go through with that we didn't cover for sure and. Uh, I think okay. for, for the next episode we can definitely smash that. I'm I'm up for it again, like um, and we'll we'll get that done if if you're happy. Well, with anytime I'm free, I'm free, I'm free all weekend. We know this works. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> we'll get on the weekend. Uh, maybe Saturday night. All right. we'll one out. I'm up for it. Okay. It's good. All right. It's Anyways, good. I'll end Sounds the stream. Good to me. Well, thank <laughs> you stream very very we'll much. Chat. Alright, cool. Okay. Anyways, just give me I'm watching. just gonna take a moment. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thank that's you. Cool. Yep. <laughs> Anyone that's watching, take care. Alright. <sighs>